0: This episode is brought to you by Ursa Minor Outfitters. Folks, I'm absolutely in love with my Loon mug. It's handmade, it's an absolute piece of art. Whether it's at the office or at the house, people keep asking to check it out. If you're not a Loon fan, they also have other beautiful mugs for wildlife fans of moose, bears, and eagles. They specialize in products highlighting the outdoors and local pride through quality design by local artists. They've even started expanding into items beyond mugs, like apparel, dog accessories, and soon candles and more. They also try to Partner and highlight other small businesses, and in some cases, forgo profits in lieu of charitable giving to help their community, such as the dog rescue. So check them out, UrsaMinorOutfitters.com, and enter promo code HikesMike's10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And for our four-legged hiking partners, they also have a portable silicone dog bowl and also a sweet over-the-collar dog bandana. Go check them out, UrsaMinorOutfitters.com, and don't forget to enter promo code HikesMike's10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. Welcome everyone to the Hikes and Mikes podcast. I'm your host Ivan, and together we'll embark on a weekly journey connecting with extraordinary hikers from all corners of the U.S. and beyond. As the cool and colorful embrace of fall envelops the Northern Hemisphere, we've had the privilege of conversing with remarkable individuals throughout this season. Their experiences and adventures will leave you yearning to hit the trails. And in today's Season 4 premiere episode... We're talking to an amazing individual who you may know for his hidden gem features on his Instagram, and most recently on his new website, offthebeatandtravel.com. His name is Sasha, and you can follow him on Instagram at Sasha underscore Traveler. Sasha shares with us some of his favorite hidden gems that he and his family have come across as they travel around the U.S., which includes some picturesque places in Montana, the beautiful Southwest, and much, much more. Looking for places outside of the U.S.? Sasha has you covered there as well, creating off-the-beaten-path locations across the globe. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode with our guest, Sasha. Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the Hikes and Mike's podcast. I have an unbelievable person with us today. His name is Sasha. He has been traveling across our beautiful country for the last couple months and years. I'm really excited to talk to him, not just about his hiking adventures, but also his travel experiences. Sasha, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You know, one of the first things we always like to ask our guests is how long they've been hiking for and how they got started. That's great.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me on, Ivan. This is a very exciting day for me. Uh, my family and I—we uh, now have a five-year-old. We've been traveling across America for the past two years, um, which has been an unbelievable adventure first in an rv and then in a car and um and actually just today i'm actually launching a website uh about hidden gems that we've discovered both on our travels uh in the u.s and and in 50 countries overall it's called off the beaten travel so we'll talk more about that later uh, but thanks for the question and you have a really cool podcast i enjoy listening to your your fellow outdoor adventurers and getting inspired <laughs> um so uh yeah uh i got started hiking i was a uh a scout Growing up in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, my parents dropped me off at a scout camp when I was seven years old, and I, like I kind of panicked and uh was was really upset i got sick but we had some pretty inspirational scout leaders that took us on on hikes and and i remember my first backpacking trip i was 10 years old um and it was it was not in like nice warm sunny conditions it was actually in the colder fall and so i had this backpack that was bigger than i was uh, and went overnight and basically almost froze to death. I think they got down to about 25 <laughs> degrees that night. Oh, my goodness. 10 and, and uh, you know, the, the whole hike was probably 10 miles over two days. But, you know, when you're that age, it's very, very memorable. And I, people kept <laughs> telling me, like, oh, it's going to build character. It's going to build character. And I hated them. You know, after getting back from there, I feel like I had conquered the world. Like, and then I looked at everything in a very different light, and, and all of my friends and classmates, and it was just like, wow, you know, I, I did something really cool, guys. And uh, that was that was kind of the start of it. And, and then I became a scout leader as a teenager. And my parents were really not into the outdoors, but it was mostly through the scouts that I was able to to sort of to, sort of get started that way.
0: And you know, you you mentioned it. You've you've been on an incredible journey the last couple of years, cross country travel and visiting different countries. How did the the passion for traveling kind of come about for you?
1: Well, um, you know, I, I traveled a bunch with my parents when I was a kid, but they took me mostly to like churches and museums and stuff that is really riveting for like a ten year old. And so I you know, wanted to travel a lot more after that. My field of work is conflict resolution in Africa, and so I moved to uh, Uganda just after graduate school, and I was supposed to be there just for a few months, and I ended up being there for almost three years. I really fell in love with the place. Um, and I ended up founding an organization that helps former child soldiers out there called the Grassroots Reconciliation Group. We're still around 16 years later, and uh, that really opened up my eyes to a whole different area of the world of travel. I ended up hiking a pretty big uh, volcano mountain that used to be higher than Kilimanjaro until it it spewed um, in Uganda. I trekked the gorillas uh, with my mom, who visited visited Zanzibar, and and that really kind of turned me on to off-the-beaten travel um, and and exploring these places that, you know, I'd never heard of and, you know, are hardly in your sort of standard definitions. And then I met my wife, who's from Ethiopia. And so we hiked around Ethiopia, we hiked up to a volcano and saw it like 20 feet from us, this incredible lava lake and, and some amazing places. So and, and once you discover one place, you're like, Oh, I got to find the next off the beaten track place i gotta you know (laughs) i gotta i gotta go to those hikes that are not on all trails i gotta you know ask the locals (laughs) like what what the coolest thing to do is that most people don't do and so you know almost becomes a, a competition with yourself
0: The content that you're posting, Sasha, is is really great because you have showcased a lot of hidden gems in and around like popular national parks or cities that, you know, I think people naturally gravitate to those national parks. But you found some, you know, within a very short drive that doesn't have the crowds, but still has the views. You know, you mentioned you've been traveling with your wife and son. How was it getting your family involved with hiking and and traveling?
1: Well, it's funny you ask. Uh, before uh, before we met, uh, my wife had never been camping in her life, and so I was like, "Okay, well, let's see how this is going to go." And so I thought, "Let's start out with car camping, but well, let's go car camping in a cool place." So I was like, "Honey, can we go to Yellowstone?" She's like, "What's that?" Um, so, <laughs> I was like, well, you know, it's this really cool national park. There's craters and geysers and you know bears and and bison and that sort of thing. And She's like, okay. And uh, you know, we after that we went on a, a backpacking trip. The same trip, we went to a, a unknown, a relatively unknown corner of Yellowstone called Dananda Falls, which is super cool. It's a uh, hot springs under a waterfall. Um, oh, wow. And I would say neither of us got any sleep that night you know we were so freaky freaked out about the possibility of grizzly bears as it turns out grizzly bears don't really hang out in that area of the park so we were we were actually (laughs) we were fine and then you know the year after that we did an incredible backpacking um it was a three-night backpacking trip in glacier national park and where you have to like actually cross into canada and show your passport and then cross back all within the hike and uh that was absolutely spectacular it's a place called boulder pass um which is which is a very underexplored area of the park everybody goes to you know lake mcdonald and and uh, iceberg lake and the grinnell glacier but this is kind of in the northwest corner of the park and then you know we had our kid he's almost six now and uh we got him into uh camping and backpacking from a very early age so so our first trip with him uh where he slept in a tent was actually going back to yellowstone and we we camped for for 10 days in yellowstone and then in uh the grand tetons that was, you know, amazing. And he's, become super adaptable he loves sleeping between mom and dad um we did some great backpacking last year in washington state in montana um and and in the southwest uh like in arizona utah and new mexico so yeah once once you get them involved early they they become very adaptable and and get excited i mean that like he doesn't need expensive toys the his best toys are sticks and rocks and you know <laughs> trees and climbing and that's the thing that really makes kids happy so
0: you know sasha this is this is a hard question to answer, but do you have any memorable hikes that you've done as a family in the last year that you can share with us?
1: I would say probably the most memorable one that we did was actually in Washington State where you are on Mount Baker. So, you oh, know, if you yeah. drive up to Artist Point there, we did it in September. It was a really amazing time of year to go. It was like, you know, there was not too much snow there was a little snow here um there's a little snow there i should say and my kid got to sled a little so that was fun or, or glissade i guess because he was like riding on his butt <laughs> um and i did it too Uh, but we backpacked the Ptarmigan Ridge and there's this little lake there called Goat, somebody called it Goat Lake I don't know if it's the official name, you don't need a permit to camp there, Um, there's tons of people on those trails um, starting from Artist Point, but almost nobody backpacks, and I think we were actually there on a holiday weekend, so it might have been Labor Day weekend, and you know, obviously the trail was crowded but the camping was not at all and you have views of both Mount Baker and Mount Shuckson right there, and Pump Your water from a, like a glacial lake. It, it was absolutely <laughs> incredible. And, you know, basically it's most views for your buck, so to speak, um, anywhere. <laughs> and, and again, no reservations. I hate reservations. Cause like so many people just reserve these spots and then they actually don't use them. We would mm-hmm. encounter tons of empty parks, um, that were reserved on paper, but because people only paid ten or fifteen dollars to reserve it, they didn't care if they actually went or not. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so this is a great place for, with with no reservations, which we loved. Um, so yeah, that was that was an amazing hike. The, the north side of Mount Adams also comes to mind, also in Washington State. Again, an area you don't need permits to camp, and or in advance. I think you had to sort of sign up on the at the trailhead. But that was a, another two nighter that we did, and we, you know everyone does sort of the south side of of atoms where you can summit it. But the north side is very underexplored. Um and that was cool. It intersects with the PCT for a little bit. And that was really awesome. We got to see a glacier like up close. Kiss the glacier. That's that was the <laughs> that, that was the point. Yeah. And I and I learned the whole bit about don't cross the, the glacier streams in the late afternoon because they become so so big and, and raging you have to cross yeah. them in the morning. So that's that was that's something new for me being from the East Coast. So
0: <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. And before we started recording, you were telling me some of the other places you got a chance to visit in Washington. And they're truly off the beaten path because I think most people, when they come to Washington, the big three are Seattle, Mount Rainier, and the Olympics. But you've been able to find some really unique Um, cities and towns on your um, travel across the country. What are some of your favorite underrated cities or even states people might not see as an outdoor recreational destination?
1: Well, we really loved uh, New Mexico. That, I think, is a very underrated state overall. A lot of people know Santa Fe and Albuquerque, especially if you watch Pretty King Bad, right? Um, (laughs) So, uh, and it's funny, uh, driving with an RV in New Mexico, everyone thinks that you're cooking meth in it, right? It's pretty <laughs> hilarious. So um, we were not doing that, obviously. But, you know, New Mexico has some amazing public lands out there. So for example, the Bistai Badlands is a, is a BLM area, and you can camp there, you know, for up to two weeks for free. It looks very similar to the Badlands in South Dakota, or, you know, some of the most spectacular formations in Utah. And almost nobody goes there. That was phenomenal. Also, Chaco Canyon, which is a mm. national monument, but it is, uh, uh, I think, soon will be a national park. It is, uh, that really blew our minds because it was like visiting Aztec ruins in Mexico and you can walk all through them. There are these like intact. Buildings. Oh, wow. There's a, a great kiva which is huge. It's like 200 feet in diameter. Um, you can walk through all these places and discover them, and and it's not in Mexico. It's in the United States. It's a really rough road getting there, um, which actually mm-hmm. makes it sort of more off the beaten path and more fun, if you ask me. Yeah. So, and very underrated and and not crowded. What else? There's an area south of Glacier National Park in Montana, uh, between basically Glacier and Missoula. So if you're if you're going to Glacier, you're either flying to glacier or flying to missoula and mm-hmm. so there's a whole great area for of glacial lakes and mountains that are in the same range as glacier but it's not part of the national park and so you know as soon as you utter those two words national park like everyone's going there um you know. but if you uh if you're in an area that is not then you can have so many of the trails by yourself and so we hiked this area called the mission range because i guess there were missionaries there catholic missionaries mm-hmm. it's it's close to saint ignatius and there's a bunch of hikes around there so lake it's mcdonald lake not lake mcdonald like the one in in the park there's a few other streams and beautiful areas and we saw bear scat everywhere no bears uh thankfully (laughs) but just absolutely stunning environments um, you can fish on these lakes with a permit. They're on the, the Native American reservation, the Salish Kootenai reservation. So you got to get a permit from them, but not a big deal, not, not difficult to get. And just really spectacular areas. And you can do them as, as day hikes. I'd Probably recommend that so you don't <laughs> run into the bears at
0: night. And I want to say, is that the lake that you posted on a reel not too long ago where you, you did some kayaking or canoeing?
1: So that's a neighboring lake called Swan Lake, and uh, it's right near there. And another hidden gem—that's an area with no cell yeah. phone signal, which I love. Um, I hate all these initiatives that are trying to bring cell phone to everywhere. You know, it's like, come on, man, let's leave some, <laughs> let's leave some places good to go offline. Um, <laughs> and and so that that was a really amazing. We camped there for, for three or four days. Uh, it was a funny situation because uh, the campground manager, there, whatever you call them, the camp host uh, went through the campground at about 5.30 saying, hey, there was a grizzly bear sighting. It was a grizzly bear sighting. Everyone back. We saw absolutely no evidence of this thing. And we think that the the host was really just trying to quiet everyone down because they (laughs) <laughs> too, many, too many noises from the campers like you know people drinking beers and stuff that was oh. pretty hilarious but that, that's another really stunning area you can just rent a, a kayaker canoe and go out on this lake and you know you're basically you know some of the only people there swan lake holland lake is right near there too so
0: yeah th- that lake in the video was truly spectacular because it looks like any lake you would see in the park. But without, I think you were the only one on the lake at that time when you kind of panned across it, which, you know, it's hard to find those type of unique gems uh, nowadays in the outdoors.
1: There's tons of them in Montana. Yeah, just, just <laughs> don't park yourself in a national park and uh, you'll find yeah. a lot of solitude. Yeah.
0: Going back to the national parks, you've you've been able to cross off quite a bit of them, Sasha. I think you're over halfway through visiting um, the U.S. national parks. Yeah, 34, um, Yeah. What's been the most underrated park, um, if there has been an underrated park that you've visited?
1: Yeah, good question. So probably North Cascades is actually the second least visited park in the lower 48 states which is mind-blowing to me the hikes there that we that we went on and the and the camping the free camping that we had was pretty unbeatable obviously it rains a lot there and snows the winter time we really love north cascades and those that you know it looks like patagonia for us that was really phenomenal there's also a park in southern Arizona. Technically, it's not a national park. It's a national monument. It's called Organ Pipe Cactus. Um, And it's right on the border with Mexico, about an hour south of Tucson. And that was absolutely phenomenal too is a really great campground there called uh, Twin Peaks nothing related to the to the show <laughs> and you can hike these areas that have arches just like in arches national park but you know I mean that place probably gets one one hundredth of the visitors of arches national park that was a really great one and then there are so many state parks that are like just again if you don't have those two words together national park like the crowds go down by quite a bit and so uh, there's mm-hmm. another amazing park in Montana Montana. montana called wade lake it's about an hour west of uh yellowstone and obviously yellowstone gets huge numbers of people um nobody goes to wade lake it's a it's a kind of a hairy road to get there it's probably like you know five miles or so down a dirt road but we did it in our rv and man i mean i went jogging one morning i saw a moose um, the color of the water looks like the Caribbean. You know, we we got some Pinot from Oregon and really enjoyed it on the like overlooking the lake. It was, and you go again kayaking and canoeing there. Yeah, there are many of these, uh, and and many more that I'm going to put on the on the website that's launching today. So
0: that's a question I've been um, wanting to ask you: is how do you obviously you, you know you do your research, but how do you come across some of these hidden gems? Because you've really been great at sharing off the the beaten path locations and experiences without the crowds. How, how do you kind of come about them?
1: Um, mostly it's asking locals. You know, they're full of people who live in these places are full of knowledge, uh, but usually nobody's asking them. <laughs> and uh if you Google someplace, you're probably gonna get you know the, the same top 10 list from TripAdvisor and Lonely Planet and you know all the mainstream publications. <laughs> Uh, even though Lonely Planet interestingly started as sort of the hidden gems kind of thing and, and now it's become the mainstream um, yeah so ask locals you know like I, I love asking um, you know if for anything if for any outdoor adventures asking the people in the local outdoor shops whether it's an REI or a local you know uh, mountain outfitter it uh, doesn't matter but the staff who work at those places they know the like the good hikes to go on and especially if you ask them like I want to hike you know like that's not super crowded and I also have a kid like you know here's what we can generally do and you know i'll just sit at these stores for a couple of hours and then go over the maps with these people and that, that's how we did design the uh, north side of adams hike you know oftentimes like uh, we love to go get cappuccino and so we'll we'll um ask the the local baristas at the coffee shop not at starbucks but uh at, at, at the local ones um they're good sources of information you know national geographic does some pretty good guides on different places they offer and we'll have good hidden gems, and there's so many blogs out there nowadays. If you search for um, hidden gems of you know X place, you're, you're going to come across hopefully credible um, bloggers. But there's a number of people out there. Hopefully, my website will will rank in those at some juncture, and people write about them. So then you can you know gather the latest. But uh, yeah, asking asking locals is always cool. And you know, my wife is from Ethiopia. Like I lived in Uganda. You lived in Germany. I lived in England. You know, so asking locals from those places too about what their favorite spots are and, and and oftentimes they're not the standard tourist spots usually i, I in my experience like 90 percent of people go to the same five places and and oftentimes it's literally just like a side street like you get off the um, <laughs> fifth avenue in new york and you know all of a sudden like wow well, there's, there's there's quite a lot of places there that nobody goes to so
0: right on Sasha and you know you've been great at posting these hidden gems on your Instagram on the website can you share a little bit more about um, what's going to be on the website
1: yeah thanks I appreciate the question Ivan so basically my family and I love exploring hidden gems like Trails and parks and hidden beaches and underrated countries and cities and so you know everything we've come across is is, is on this website. We have a job, we have a blog about um, hidden gems in California. Uh, I think we have ten hidden gems in Europe. Uh, we've got seven hidden gems in Africa. There's several in Latin America. There's different outdoor adventures and the the really thing that I'm most excited about for the site is uh, that the tagline is your hub. For hidden gems. And we really, really mean that. So that means that like you can contribute these hidden gems. And So we're going to have guest blogs from a range of people. The next guest blogs are going to be hidden gems from Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. Um, wow. somebody else is writing one about Uzbekistan. Um, we got somebody doing one about Southeast Asia. Another person doing one on Korea. Um, someone else just committed yesterday to Southern Italy. I'm going to do one on Portugal and, and where we are now in the Washington DC area. So, you know, it's not just trails, but, you know, cities as well. So, and, and there's hidden gems, I think everywhere you go, even if you're in Paris. In fact, there is a Paris Hidden Gems blog on the site. Um, just, to, just to mess with you, you know, the, a lot of those came from local Parisians. I, I happen to have been to Paris many times, because I, I used to go to a conference there every year, so so that would always tack on a few days, so I, so I happen to um, know Paris somewhat well. But, yeah, so, anyway, that community aspect is going to be really cool. Perhaps you'd be interested in doing uh, one on Hidden Gem hikes in the Pacific Northwest. I think that might be interesting. So, I I'm really looking forward to that community aspect. And it's it's not just about my wife and, and me and my son. It's about sort of a whole community really want to make this a hub for hidden gems everywhere.
0: And, you know, two experiences that I wanted to ask you about that you've um, been great at sharing on on Instagram. You visited Hawaii um, a few times. And earlier this year, you were on the Big Island when Kilauea reawakened and started erupting. How was it seeing you know, the lava erupting from the crater.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's it was amazing. I mean, that's the uh, it's uh, primeval, I guess that experience. And and I'm a bit of a volcano addict, I must say. Um, I have uh, seen volcanoes active and erupting in the Democratic Republic of Congo, Mount uh, Virunga. I have been to Ethiopia, where there's like a lava lake, where I said you can stand 25 feet from the lava. Uh, oh, bubbling my. over itself. it's It was mind-blowing, that one. Kilauea, we hiked this mountain in Italy, which, which is a small island off of Sicily called Stromboli, uh, like the sandwich. Um, I think they call it <laughs> Stromboli to distinguish themselves from the sandwich. But anyways, um, and that one erupts every 45 minutes. It shoots in the air, and it's just absolutely mesmerizing. When you see these places you can do nothing but just fixate your eyes and stare at you know the Earth coming out of the ground and forming the soil that we walk on. it's It's just a like you just get this connection with the Earth that is just something incredible. and um, Kilauea only you know erupts every so often. It, it's become dormant since then, but uh, and then it reactivated and it became dormant again. Um, Stromboli, I think is still active still every 45 minutes. Um, the one in <laughs> Ethiopia, you can still go to the one in Guatemala. I see a lot of people posting about that. It looks incredible. Yeah. Um, Indonesia has some amazing volcanoes. So um, I really recommend that experience that you, what you got to do my recommendation is to go at dusk. And so you get there, you can see, where you're going and they just wait until the sun sets and that's when the magic happened you get this uh, orange glow in the dark and that's just like wow so we, we actually camped at the ethiopia one um not right at the rim but you know 100 yards down from it but that was a really cool one and, and in congo also camped at the rim I, nobody told me that it was going to be freezing because it was congo so i was like <laughs> oh, i was wearing my t-shirt and shorts i'm like we're on the equator that's great well guess what it was yeah. like you know 4000 meters up and uh we i mean it was it was bad man we, i was hugging my water <laughs> bottle and it was it was absolutely it was one of the coldest nights of my life so anyway <laughs>
0: And then the other, um, you know, national occurrence that you got to see was the firefall in Yosemite. Um, and that one actually came from a last minute booking. I, I think you, you booked it like two days in advance. That's become a popular thing. And I feel like this year, you know, people recommended that you get on the bus instead of trying to get in with your car because the lines were, were long. Do you have any advice or tips for folks that are wanting to catch it in 2024?
1: Yeah. The firefall is cool. It was very much, uh, on a whim for us. as you said. Said we booked two days in advance we actually booked it without knowing that the firefall was happening. We just like, we want to go back to Yosemite. Let's check it out. We had, we had done the clouds rest hike a couple of years before. And that was amazing. But like, we didn't see that much of the park and just did that big hike, which is a big one. It's a two nighter. And so, yeah, if you want to go see the firefall, go on a weekday, first of all. Um, secondly, I totally recommend camping because, you know, then it's like the hotel access is very limited. You know, the Wani hotel, I think just reopened again, was under renovation. But uh, there's Airbnbs you can stay at, but really, like, if you want to be in the valley, like, get a reservation in one of those one of those uh, campgrounds, um, and they open up all the time on Recreation.gov. People think like, oh, I looked on Recreation.gov, there was no, there were no spots, and I'm like, well, look an hour later, look two hours later, just keep <laughs> checking. And they no. open up all the time. In fact, when we were there, we we were only planning to be there for three nights or something. We ended up being there for eight. We just kept extending. And that was even a miracle because, like, there's no reception in the valley. So you're like, oh, you know, you have to stand on top of the hill to get, like, a recreation.gov signal. But, <laughs> um yeah, so just go on a weekday. And, I mean, the weekends are kind of a, a zoo. Like, if you really want to see the firefly, just – and the firefly is crowded. I probably didn't do my – instagram versus reality um uh, <laughs> shot but maybe i should have there's, i mean it's there's tons of people um okay. do seeing it but it's pretty cool it i mean it's last like what 20 minutes or something um yeah. and you have to walk from the parking area which is like i don't know a mile maybe or half a mile um, but it's it's pretty neat but yeah i mean the, the cool thing to do in yosemite at that time is ski <laughs> you can either backcountry <laughs> ski um, off a trail, or there's like a there's literally a ski resort inside the park. It's one of our hidden gems that we put on the oh, on the blog. blog. It's called Badger Pass. You can get mm-hmm. a lower lift ticket if you don't need the higher one for like thirty dollars a day. It's insane. Wow. Um, and we were probably one of fifty people on the mountain that day. I mean, <laughs> and we did it for three different days. I learned how to snowboard. Actually, we all learned how to snowboard. All three of us. Um, that, that was it. Was really fun. Um, there's nobody there and it's cheap. Yes, yeah, so it's it's a really, that's a great, that's a great hidden gem that
0: nobody knows about. <laughs> oh, I'll have to add that to my own bucket list, Sasha. You know, one question I like to ask um, hikers and even backpackers, um, but I feel like it, it's more of a day hiker um, thing. But, you know, some people have a summit routine or maybe a end of the hike routine. Maybe it's a favorite snack or meal or some sort of trail beverage or drink or even just a moment of zen. Is there a regular custom that you and your family do when you reach your destination or maybe when you make it back out?
1: Well, our advice I would say, is we eat lifesavers yes. on the trip.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it.
1: <laughs> we always pack lifesavers. And my kid, like, he knows. He's like, can I have a lifesaver? Like, you he, like he already starting <laughs> to hike. like, yeah, can I have a lifesaver? So that's one. Uh, number two is I always make sure to pack a set of clean clothes for when we arrive back in the car. There's nothing worse than, like, you did this amazing hike or backpacking trip, and then you got to, like, drive however many hours back to your, your home in sort of dirty, sweaty, smelly clothes, right? And so even though, like, I, you know, shower, like, at least you, you have these clean clothes, you, you feel so much better. Another thing we do when we backpack is we do pour over coffee. It's like you have gourmet coffee on the trail. It's incredible. And it's super <laughs> light. The Kalita Wave coffee filter is like, I don't know, four ounces mm-hmm. or something. It's a little metal thing. The, the filter itself is obviously, you know, whatever, one tenth <laughs> of an ounce, um, yeah. And you can grind the coffee ahead of time, and you just use your little, you know, rocket pocket rocket stove and heat it up, and like you have gourmet coffee, like in the middle of you know the mountain. That that, that was a game changer for us. We used to do the the instant Starbucks instant things; stuff, these little yeah. th- th- it is awful. <laughs> um, I guess we're total coffee snobs, but that like that makes a huge difference. Like you you get like this amazing coffee in the morning. So yeah, I guess those are those are our three things. Oh, uh, the other thing is. Make sure they have a pillow. The number of people I've come across <laughs> who do backpacking and they're just like, oh, I'm going to sleep on my sweater. What do you think that's going to do to your sleep at night? Like, they have <laughs> these little blow up pillows. You know, I've never poked a hole in any of them, and uh, and they're tiny. You just blow them up. They weigh nothing, and you can sleep. I mean, anyway, that, so there you go. Four things.
0: Oh, I like it. Yeah, and pillows are, are crucial. I started off with um, blanking on the name, but it was an inflatable pillow with a, a cover over it that kind of made it seem like a real pillow. Nice. But I just recently um, invested in a thermo rest which I think the inside is made out of um, recycled mattress foam. So it's the closest thing I've been able to find to a regular feeling pillow. And it's still compact where you can like squeeze it into a ball. But yeah, I think pillows, especially for me just starting off and backpacking, that's one thing that's either going to make or break my sleep cycle.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge, you know, advocate for, for expensive gear or anything like that. We You know, it, you can have a great time with the most basics off. And I learned this very quickly in Uganda where Like, we were required to use quarters on this um, uh, mountain trekking expedition on on Mount Elgon in Uganda. And the dudes who carried all of our stuff were wearing flip-flops. And I was like, (laughs) I don't need expensive gear. This is ridiculous. And so I'm not a big – just go with with what you got. But, like, a pillow is just one of those things. It weighs nothing. It costs almost nothing. But you're going to sleep at night.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know – Sasha, you're getting ready to, to um, go abroad here, I think, in, in the next couple of days. I wanted to ask: is there any end-of-the-year goals as far as like travel or hiking experiences that you want to cross off your list?
1: Well, yeah, I'm taking my mom to Portugal next week. Uh, it was her dream to go there, and I have a little bit of time. And so um, she's 85. I'm super uh, happy to give her that experience. Uh, it was her dream to, to go there. So that's one. We are going to Puerto Rico. My my son requested to go back to nice. Hawaii for his birthday, but we're in Washington D.C. area, and so that's kind of like going to the other side of the earth. So, uh, <laughs> so we're we're going to go to Puerto Rico instead. Um, but but I I mean I, I'm really looking forward to that. There's a rainforest there, um, which apparently has some amazing zip lining. Um, the place where we're staying is um on the beach, but it's got surfing and. Uh, so like a big wave beach, and then a um, like more of a kids beach. Um, so that's one thing I I learned how to do when we were on our cross country trips was was learn how to surf. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to do that again. And then, and I developed a neck injury the last couple months, but it's actually healed thankfully. So I'm ready to, ready to go back out there. And then, uh, we go to Ethiopia around the holidays. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. We'll see how far we can get out right now. There's some unrest in Ethiopia. So I'm hoping that that will calm down, but Addis Ababa is, is, uh, an amazing, city. It's a very underrated city. It's highlighted on the website. Um, there's tons of really cool things to do there. Great coffee, amazing food, um, really cool museums, parks inside the city. And I love learning about all about Ethiopian culture. We were there for three weeks last year and, and you know learned so much. So those are kind of our next next travels. And, and next summer, we plan to go to Albania, it's a big nice. un- underrated destination with some amazing national parks and beaches and and culture. And, uh, it's one of those sort of like last frontiers of Europe. So, um, I can't, I can't wait to get to Albania. So we, we have it featured on the blog. Um, some of our best friends are, are Albanian. And, uh, so we're going to go visit them. I can't wait.
0: Oh, I'm excited to see the pictures and and videos from these upcoming trips. They're going to be amazing. Well, that was it for the regular questions, Sasha. This um, last bit of the podcast is one of my favorite sections. It's the this or that questions. I'm going to give you two hiking-related topics, and you just choose the one that you prefer out of the two. So the first one is ascending or descending?
1: I like ascending. My wife likes descending.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then when it comes to trail features, do you like waterfalls or summits?
1: I like summits, and my wife likes waterfalls.
0: (laughs) (laughs) we, we ike together man so i can't just answer
1: these by myself right
0: and then for the actual trail um especially going up to a summit prefer switchbacks or just going straight up
1: oh switchbacks definitely switchbacks Thank i think you. everyone would prefer and, and our family prefers the switchbacks and, and my <laughs> my son loves to say switchback switch hands because we like hold his hands on that <laughs> so he, he always does that Switchback,
0: switch hands so, I like go. it. <laughs> and then, do you use trek poles, or are you more freehand?
1: Uh, I would say when it's a where there's a steep descent, we have some poles that we will dust off, um, but mostly we're, we're freehand. But yeah, yeah, once in a while, my knees are still generally okay so we'll get there to be using the poles all the time at some point i'm 43 so
0: (laughs) and then this one's a fairly new one sasha and i've been seeing it you know evolve over the last couple years but when it comes to your footwear do you prefer trail runners or hiking boots
1: i prefer trail runners but i have these hiking boots that feel like trail runners and they are absolutely amazing they look like basketball shoes they hug your feet but they're actually hiking boots so the hybrid what i'm gonna say
0: and then when it comes to your trail systems do you prefer a loop trail or an out and back trail
1: i like the loop trail so you can get you know new scenery all the all the way you know it all depends on the route but yeah i like the loops better
0: <laughs> and when you come across a body of water on one of the hikes do you jump in or do you stay dry
1: they stay dry a lot of the time but uh, sometimes we hike with friends and so on the north side of adams i jumped in and that was awesome <laughs> So um, yeah, man, that's uh, <laughs> that's
0: it. And you've been able to witness some beautiful um, sunsets and sunrises on both sides of the continuous United States. But do you prefer sunsets or sunrises?
1: Definitely sunrises um, okay. because it's, it's the quietest time of the day, I would say probably like one 100th people are up at that time. You really have some, you know, zen in you from the sleep that you just got. You know, you don't have the cloud of everything that happened to you that day and sit and have your coffee or maybe without coffee um, and just enjoy that sunrise. So yeah, I, I love, love sunrises. And that was the coolest, one of the coolest things we did on our RV trip because our, our RV, it's called the Lazy Days. It has a 270 uh, degree window in the back and so we would we would wake up to these sunrises and you know and, and when you're RV you can camp in the middle of nowhere all the time And so we would wake up in the middle of nowhere and just look out and there's this wonderful sunrise somewhere so I have all these sunrise pictures from the from the window lying in my bed <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> And then this one's a tough one because I think you've seen both but spring wildflowers or fall colors
1: I like fall colors um, being from the Washington DC area. Um, We have some amazing uh, fall scenes out here, like Shenandoah National Park is probably like the, I would say the best place to see the fall anywhere in the country. And I'm sure you would argue with me. So you you have to tell me your favorite place to see in the fall. But that to me is... Is really spectacular. So I I love the I I love the fall, yeah.
0: And then um this last question is the most decisive one. But do you tag a hike or do you not tag a hike on social media?
1: I tag. I mean I want people to discover the hidden gems. Yeah. I think that they're they're great. I think you know, I'm not I don't have like six million followers. So, you know, if I tag probably maybe one person, if I'm lucky, will actually take me on my (laughs) advice. so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think people need to see the, the hidden gems and not just go on the standard five trails. So absolutely.
0: And that was it for the, the this or that question, Sasha. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing your experiences and the hidden gems that you've been able to find. If folks want to follow you on uh, social media to learn more about some of the hidden gems that are coming up or um, the website, could you share those handles and the URL one more time?
1: Sure. So uh, on Instagram, I am Sasha. Traveler. Pretty easy. Sasha underscore Traveler. Um, and then the website is uh, Um I should flag one more thing to you, Ivan. This is probably a topic for another podcast, but uh, my wife and I are writing a book at the moment about how to do more of this long-term travel thing. Um, a lot of people ask us, like, how did you do it? Because we traveled, you know, full-time for two years and so we're we're writing a book the going title is called Travel More Spend Less. We're writing it right now. Um so it's it's not out yet, it's probably be out maybe in a year or something, but just wanted to flag that. Um so I'll be getting a lot more into, you know, sort of how to do that, how to, you know, a lot of people ask about the finances like how can you afford to do it? You can afford to do it. Um our whole budget for for our first year of travel was $36,000. Um, for a family of three. And we stuck to it. And then, uh, you know, how to travel with kids, you know, full time, like uh, how to work remotely, like all these things. So, Um, Those are all going to be topics and topics in the book.
0: Exciting stuff, Sasha. Really appreciate you um, coming on the podcast and sharing your experiences. Uh, I can't wait to check out the website myself and see some of the hidden gems in and around the country that you've been able to share with us. But it's been really great chatting with you this morning.
1: Great. I really appreciate you taking the time early morning for you, Ivan. And uh, if you come to the other Washington, D.C., then uh, please let me know. I'd be happy to, to meet up in person. That'd be great.
0: Oh, definitely. Most definitely. Thanks, Sasha. All right. Take care, And that brings us to the end of this episode alongside Sasha. We extend a heartfelt thanks to him for coming on the podcast. Make sure to stay connected and follow his and his family's upcoming adventures on Instagram at Sasha underscore Traveler. And don't forget to check out his new website, offthebeatentraveler.com, using the link in the episode show notes. We have an incredible lineup of episodes planned throughout the fall, and we can't wait to share them with you. New episodes will be dropping every Monday with occasional bonus episodes on Fridays. To ensure you never miss out on those thrilling tales, remember to hit that like and subscribe button. Your support means the world to us. Don't forget to join our vibrant community on Instagram, at hikesandmikes. We'll be sharing episode visuals, my own personal hiking content, and so much more. Let's stay connected and continue to inspire each other on this remarkable journey. As we bid farewell, remember to tread those happy trails, embrace the great outdoors, and keep the spirit of adventure alive. Until next time, my fellow explorers, happy hiking. This episode's music was created by Ketza. Follow him on Instagram, at KetzaMusic. This episode is brought to you by Flip Socks. Whether you're on the trail, on the job, or in the yard, Flip Socks will keep Mother Nature out of your boots with their innovative nylon sleeve. You no longer need to worry about any annoying debris getting trapped in your boots during your hikes. Simply flip down the nylon sleeve over any boot to prevent Mother Nature from finding its way inside, keeping your feet comfortable all day long. To get your first pair, visit FlipSocksWithAZ.com and enter promo code hikesmikes ten at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And for listeners who use the promo code at checkout, I'll be donating 100% of the season two promo code proceeds to big city mountaineers who provide transformative experiences through connections to nature that strengthen life skills and build community for youth and disinvested communities across the nation. So if you're tired of bits and pieces of the trail finding its way into your hiking boots, pick up a pair of flip socks today with the promo code HIKESMIKES10 to get 10% off for website and promo codes See the episode description.